Welcome to The Lorraine Murphy Show. If you're anything like me, you want a successful, abundant business, epic energy, a growth mindset, vibrant health, and beautiful relationships. And this podcast sets out to help us achieve all of that together. I've been in the entrepreneurship arena for almost a decade now and have mentored hundreds of other business owners. So I know what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes to succeed. This podcast shares the tips, tricks, learnings, and lessons I lean on in order to blend the different facets of my life as an entrepreneur, author, wife, and mama to two gorgeous little humans. Let's jump in to today's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Lorraine Murphy Show. Thank you so much for joining me. This season is all about behind the scenes. So I'm taking you behind the scenes in my businesses. I'm talking to brilliant entrepreneurs, and I'm also talking to smart experts who have the secrets and tools for success. You can also expect more chats with my business besties and, of course, my brilliant mentees and Bull Darling members. My first guest this season is Tim Duggan, who is one of the cleverest entrepreneurs and leaders I know, and he is also now a two-time author. His new book, Killer Thinking, has just been published, and I absolutely loved it. In the book, Tim dives deep into what a killer idea is, and also, maybe more importantly, how we can have more of them. In our conversation, we cover everything from his adventures in life and business since he was last on the show, the exact ingredients of a killer idea, what he sees as the greatest blocks people have when it comes to their creativity. We also spend a lot of time talking about why brainstorms don't work, particularly the hippo problem, which you're about to find out what he means by that in a moment. He also talks about the idea of the leaky tap concept. It's actually an idea that Ed Sheeran shared around creativity. And honestly, this is such a game-changing concept. And I think it relieves so much of the pressure that a lot of us feel around being creative and, and being able to be in that creative zone. We also talk about maker versus manager schedule. We are both lovers of this concept and also the cues that can help us to get into the creative zone. And Tim also shares a tip that is a few of the tips and I share some of mine as well on how we can really get out of a creative funk when we, you know, we need to turn on the creativity tap and it's just not common. What, what we can do to help ourselves shift out of that funk. I am really, really excited to bring you this conversation. I hope you can hear from myself and Tim's conversation, how much we love, love, love chatting to each other. And it is packed with nuggets around creativity and innovation. So let's bring on Tim Duggan. Hi, Tim. Hi, Lorraine. How are you doing? I'm so good. It's so nice to have you on the show again. I, I still get feedback on it on your first episode with me. So thank you for coming back for more. <laughs> I love it. It was a very important time for, for both of us when we recorded that 18 months ago. Yeah. So just, just to catch people up. So I'll obviously have I've talked about you, talked about how amazing you are in the intro. But when we did our last podcast chat, it was your literally your first day after after stepping out of Junkie Media fully. So yeah, it's kind of a nice full circle that we're back again. Probably. Two years later then? Was that Eight, right? 18 months later. 18 months later. Yes. So, it so was, special. It, that was the last time we recorded. It was a public holiday. It was the, yeah. <laughs> both of us didn't realize it was a public holiday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was the first day of me leaving full-time work after working yeah. full-time since I was 18 years old. So Amazing. almost 20-something years. Yeah. Yeah. So, so catch us up. What have you been doing since then in the 18 months? 
It's been a wonderful 18 months. It's been really interesting because it has been kind of finding out what I like doing and who I like doing it with. Mm. And that's been really amazing to do. So um, I was meant to move to Europe with my husband, um, but it was the middle of COVID. So we decided not to move. We got married in March, 2020, the, the, the weekend that weddings got cancelled. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You literally got in like the day before, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. The day yeah. before it was very, it was very great. Um, wow. And so we're meant to move to Europe. And so because we couldn't move to Europe, I wanted to do something that would signify a full stop on my junkie career. So we jumped into a camper van and spent six weeks originally, was planning to spend six weeks going around New South Wales because at the time in October 2020, New South Wales borders were closed to every other state. So we were stuck. Mm. And I'd never really been in a camper van before. I'm not really a camper van person. (laughs) And we just thought, stop it, let's try something new. So we jumped into a camper van and after six weeks, we just turned to each other and we went, are you having the time of your life? And I was like, yes, I am as well. And we just decided to keep on going. So before we knew it, we were Amazing. in a camper van for six months and we were just travelling around New South Wales then Victoria, then went up to Northern Territory and across to, across to Western Australia. And we just had the time of our lives travelling, um, working about two days a week. So the way that we yeah. I thought about it was I was trying to like almost flip the week instead of working five days and having two days off. We wanted oh. to work for two days. And have five days off. I need to steal that. So good. Love it. Yeah, it was. And it was amazing. So every Monday or Tuesday, we would generally get out of the camper van and I would find an Airbnb somewhere or a hotel, wash the sheets, kind of like, you know, do do have a bit of a a house with four walls. Um, And we would then spend Monday and Tuesday just, just working and doing interesting things. And part of that was thinking about an idea for a new book which is where mm. Killer Thinking came from in the back of, originally in the back right of a camper van. Right here. It's a bit destroyed because I was reading it um, with Wilder asleep on me on the plane to Bali. So, <laughs> oh, but I, I loved it. There's, honestly, I, I want to get into it because there's so much I want to ask you about it. It's it's absolutely brilliant. Um, so can I ask you, so where, where did the, what, why this book? Because I feel like this was, it's almost like my, a couple of my books were, your first book called Status was almost like the jumping off point for this one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It, it really opened up my eyes as to how to be open to interesting topics that I think need new content written about them. Mm. Um, and I was quite open to, I knew I wanted to write a second book. Um, I thought this idea of creativity, particularly in the workplace, was a really interesting topic. I was thinking about it pre-COVID. And then once COVID happened and all of us yes. were sitting on Zoom and all of yeah. us were still trying to use the old tools that we'd used for ages, particularly around creativity and figure out how they worked in a new hybrid world, that got me really thinking. Um, and so one of the first thoughts that I had was, what do I think some of the best ideas in the world are and how can I help other people come up with them? So yeah. I started I started thinking about them and ideas that came to me were, Things like nonprofit or for impact ideas like Movember, which I think is yes. just such a wonderful way of being able to raise money for Ben's health charities by growing a moustache, um, through to Keep Cup. You know, what an amazing idea Abigail Forsyth and her husband had on a very simple idea on let's reuse our cups instead of using them over mm. and over again. Um, and so I started thinking about all these ideas and then started reaching out to these people to find out what they had in common. And part of it, once I started doing that, was I realized that there was actually 
um, a bit of a science and an art to how you can almost teach anyone creativity. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I loved in the book at some point you said there's there's two types of people. There's people who are really creative and you, know, you talk it up like how amazing creative people are and then you go, or they're dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I love that idea because I do think like, oh, I'm not a creative type. But, and also I think so much of this would come with our conditioning as children as well. You know, I mean, we talk to Lexi, we say she's so creative, but maybe we wouldn't be as intentional about that with Wilder when he's older, for example. So totally. I think it's really I... important that to give ourselves permission to be creative. Yeah, I think there's also something happens is it's amazing that you say that to Lexi and I know that you will continue saying that to her. But a lot of but people Tim, sorry, don't. just to be clear, it's um I'm I'm not like applying for mother of the year at all. It's more that she genuinely is actually really creative. You know, whereas if maybe we had Wilder who's maybe more technical or I mean, I don't know yet, he's just crazy right now. <laughs> so, <you know, laughs> very active, ten month old. But you know, if we we saw him and he's very structured in his thinking, like he, Wade's got quite a scientific brain, like if he's like that maybe we, we we would dial that up more and parents don't even realize of course what they're doing but maybe um yeah the, the, that idea of we kind of get cast as okay you're the creative kid or you're the 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 crazy kid or you're the whatever kid you know for yeah. me I was the very studious kid like creativity wasn't something that was really talked about when I was you know being being raised so and I think for, yeah, I think, I think for most stories around have- creativity yeah, I think most people would have experience to you where creativity is not something that we're talked about unless you are artistic or you yeah. you know yes. love painting or you love fashion or clothes or something like that yeah. which um, is Lexi's creativity you know she's like arts and crafts crazy yeah yeah and I, and I hope that continues because because often people get into teenage years and you just kind of either go into yourself or you think oh that's not important or you start becoming the studious one and you forget to reconnect yeah, with that creativity you touch with that yeah because there's a playfulness in creativity as well isn't it there's a license just to play and not to have kind of the weight of the world on your shoulders when you're doing it. So the yeah, book think- is obviously called Killer Thinking. And I really loved how you, I feel like I'm like doing my little kind of game show host. And you talked about the, the idea of a killer idea. Can you just step us through the kind of almost like the check boxes of what makes a killer idea? Yeah, I love Please. trying to take ideas that are, and concepts that are pretty complicated and try to simplify them down as much yes. as possible. Yes. And once I started looking into all of these ideas I thought were some of the best ideas in the world, I realized they've all got a couple of things in common. And then I figured that out into the acronym KILLER. So um, it's a surprising thing. Some of the feedback they've had from people who've read the book and only came out a week ago is people saying, ah, I kind of, I thought it was just going to be about, you know, a killer idea. But in fact, I use KILLER as a framework to talk about the ideas. Yeah, it's really and so smart. Ki- so KILLER stands for kind impactful, loved, lasting, easy, and repeatable. And they are all the ways that if you have an idea, how can you make it more kind? How can you make it more impactful? How do you make it easier? How do you make it more repeatable? It's just a really simple framework to apply any idea that you come with to hopefully massage it to become a great idea than eventually a killer idea. Yeah, love that. Can you talk to loved for a moment? Because I thought that that was a really, really powerful, probably the most powerful one for me as I read through it. Can you talk about it? Yeah, what you mean by that? Because it was a bit of a, it's not a word, love isn't a word that you expect to hear when we're talking about killer ideas. So would you just yeah. explain what you mean by that one? I thought it was it was really good what you came up with there. So loved is the ideas in the world that are, that spread the most are ones that really connect with people. So they're ideas that people feel, you know, a real affinity with because they might mm-hmm. identify with the purpose of why an idea exists and that might resonate with their purpose of who they are as a human. 
And so if you want to be loved, loved ties probably closest back to cult status, my first book around how to build a business with a really strong community around it. And I just think loved is if you want an idea to go beyond just your little sphere of influence, it really needs to be loved by other people because that is how someone's going to spread it to someone else, going to tell someone else about this idea. Um, And I often think back to some of the ideas that I think are really amazing. And then I go and tell someone like, I've just discovered this new product. Like one of them, I profile in the book, Zero Co. You know, do you know Zero Co? um, They're an Australian business that sends... I had uh, never heard of them. So smart. Yeah. Yeah, great. great. I, I only heard about them in your from your book, which is an example, uh, isn't it? Like you love it so much that you wrote about it in your book and now I love it and countless other people will love it. Totally. And it's yeah. funny that I was telling someone when I was doing the research for the book, I was telling someone about this idea, which is all about reducing plastics by having forever bottles um, of you know laundry products and things in your house and then pouches that get sent to you in the mail you use them and you send the pouches back to be reused so it's all part of the circular economy and yeah. I loved the idea so much I was telling my sister about it and she was like oh that's such a great idea and then she starts buying them and then she starts telling her yeah. friends about it and that is how a great idea spreads by being yeah. really loved because it goes to you know, part of my purpose, which is how to be as, as sustainable as possible. Yeah, I love that. And you and I were just chatting before we hit record and you were saying, you know, has business. And I was saying, you were asking how Val Darling had gone at the launch and how it's going. And I was saying to you, it feels, because I've, I've started a lot of things in this new business. It's not you, it's four years old now. But I had said to you, I feel like Val Darling is what the Remarkables group was when I started it. Like it's got this energy beyond me, which I think is that loved piece. Yeah. What you're speaking to there. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. And and not really everything special. is loved. Not not yeah. every idea can be loved. And that, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. I think oh my when... God. I've come up with like 40 ideas within this business. <laughs> I know some of them have gone well and some of them have gone really well, but that loved. Yeah. That's yeah, that's it's really special when you find yeah. it. Yeah. And you yeah. went about knowing what that is and identifying it. And if you can feel that and lean into it and be like, oh, this idea, so this bold darlings thing, for example, this has really got legs and it feels a little bit different and special to everything else that I've done. Yeah. That's when you know to lean into something to try and make it into a really killer <gasps> idea. I just got goosebumps when you said that. Yes, it's, it's, t- it's leaning in. Exactly. Can we just touch back on the blocks that people might have around creativity? Because, you know, we've talked a little bit about our kind of childhood conditioning and the stories that we tell ourselves as kids and maybe as adolescents and, and maybe even to grown-ups. What do you see from your kind of adventures in creativity? What, what what do you see the biggest blocks that people have when it comes to being creative? I think there's there's two main blocks. The first mm-hmm. one we've spoken about, which is that people don't think that they're creative. Mm-hmm. And every single person listening to this, whether you, no matter what industry you work in, whether you're in finance, whether you're in and an the industry that people might not traditionally think of as yes. creative, you are super creative. And it's about almost empowering yourself to believe that you are. You don't need to have creative in your title or in your JD, your job description, in order to be a creative person. So mm. I think that's the first block. The second one is that people think creativity is some mystical, mythical <laughs> process that you need to channel and it only happens to a very small percentage of people because it's like, you know, lightning strikes and then this idea yeah, comes You get you. like touched on the forehead. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> and that is all bullshit. So everyone that I spoke to for the book, and I spoke to dozens of people, and I did, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of research. Um, I had a research assistant also going through all as many research papers as they could find to pull out the good parts Mm -hmm. for me. 
And what I found was that even some of the people that you think are the most creative people in the world. So Jerry Seinfeld, for example, who, you know, obviously wrote Seinfeld, the way that he talks about it is you've just got to put the hours in. It's not Mm. mystical. It's not mythical. It's a process. So you've got to sit down in front of your computer and um, he has a really great analogy in the book where he talks about you wouldn't go to a personal trainer and say, and they say, you know, how long does this session go for? You're like, oh, you know, we've got all afternoon. (laughs) You go to them and say, I've got from three till four o'clock. And it's the same with creativity. You can't, don't just sit down and think, oh, I'm going to schedule all afternoon to be creative. Say you're going to be creative from three to four o'clock, sit down in front of your computer or sit down in front of a blank wall, depending on what you're trying to solve or think about and just think. And yeah. just write and do. And creativity is is a, it's a verb. It's an action. It's yes. not just something that, uh, you know, you kind of like exists up here in the mythical sphere. Yeah. And actually on that point, I wasn't going to ask you about this for a few minutes, but I want to jump straight in. Can you talk about Ed Sheeran's thing, thing about the dirty tap? I thought that was really powerful. Yeah. Ed Sheeran's got this really amazing analogy that I loved. And I don't know if it's his original idea, but I, I really. I've never heard of it before. And it really, really resonated. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So Ed Sheeran says that he thinks about songwriting. Ed Sheeran's one of our greatest songwriters. Like the, his yeah. breadth of what he's able to write about and the quality of the music that comes out. And he considers creativity to be like a dirty tap. And when he says that, he says, when you turn a dirty tap on, imagine you turn it on and the water that comes out first is going to be brown and murky and it's just going to flow out. And like you rusty. Think, yeah, and you <laughs> yeah. think, oh, this, this water that's coming out of this tap is really crap. Yeah. And then what happens is you just need to keep the tap running and running and running and running and eventually it gets clearer and clearer and the clear water will start coming out. And creativity is exactly like that. So you turn mm. it on your first draft, the first things you write, your first ideas, they're all going to be probably a bit shit, but Mm. you just need to keep the tap going for as long as you can and then some of the great ideas will come. And I think that's amazing when you think of someone like Ed Sheeran who is just this, you know, this this amazing songwriter who writes these great songs, but for every great song that he writes, he's probably got 50 crap songs. Yeah, and he says that, doesn't he? He, he, Sorry, you quoted him in your book saying, you know, not every song I write is, is great. But what I really love about that, Tim, as well, is uh, have you come across um, Stephen Pressfield's work at all? Do the Work no, and the War of Art. I think you'd really like his stuff. So he's got a book called Do the Work, and it's basically about getting out of your own way when you're creating something. And he talks about the idea of resistance, which is this like internal resistance that wells up, which is it, it's trying to keep us safe. It's trying to make everything fine and everything safe and you don't stretch yourself and you don't take any risks. And what he says is that resistance is at a, it's, it's at, it's very high when we're about to start something, which is what prevents so many. I mean, how many people have you and I spoken to? Like, oh, I've got a book idea. I've got a business idea or an online program idea, but it never gets started because their resistance is so high. Yeah. And the other thing that Stephen Pressfield said as well is that resistance is also very high right before you ship it. So for you, for example, right before you send a manuscript for a book or me then right before I hit, you know, publish, I don't hit it myself because I wouldn't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, hit launch on a new program offer, a sales page. So that's the idea of resistance. So what I love about the the leaky tap, or sorry, the the um the dirty tap is that it gives you permission just to keep going and to navigate the resistance. Does that make sense? It's like it's just just dealing with the shit. It's gonna be fine, it's gonna be fine, it's gonna be fine. And that's almost like your coping strategy for that resistance. Uh, it really does. And I, and I relate it back to even you've written four books. I've written two. So I'm half and half as an author <laughs> as, as you are, Lorraine. But I know the first draft I think is good because I wouldn't hand it into my publisher if I didn't think yes. it was good. But when you look back on it, 
It was a bit of a dog's breakfast. For and both then someone of- else goes through it. You know, once your editor goes through it, you're like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, for both of my books now, I look back at my first draft and I'm like, how did I think that was good? And it's only yeah. because most of the work happens between the first and the second and the second and the third. That is where the magic happens. And I think most people give up because they the first draft is not perfect or they mm-hmm. get to a stage where they think, oh, this is really crap. But you just got to keep producing crap to get to the good stuff. <laughs> I love it. Keep producing <laughs> crap, everyone. That can be the audiogram. Just, just keep creating crap. <laughs> and now I think it's something that you, I think you and I are very much agreed. And also I think you and I have come from quite similar worlds. So my background was PR. I worked in the comm strategy in an, an agency called Naked Communication, which was incredibly innovative and creative. And you know, we, we were kind of operating in parallel, you and I, when you were a junkie. And you talk about this example in the book. And I'm like, oh, my God, that was me so many times where you get the little ping on your computer and it's like 10 minutes time. You've got to brainstorm for. I mean, we worked on everything from margarine to like whatever you call them, like stop smoking patches, like Nicobate to toothpaste to Coca-Cola to Telstra. And you kind of got to walk into the room and go, OK, like, let's be creative. And I feel like, you know, when we talk about those blocks that people have to be in cre- to, to be in creative. I think so much of it probably comes from being forced into situations like that when you're expected just, you know, switch on the creativity tab and and work in a very collaborative environment when often you probably don't even know what your brainstorming, you don't even know the product that you're brainstorming, the problem. Um, so yeah, why, why are brainstorms so crap? I think brainstorms are probably they're traditionally way. done because I know you've got a better way, which I want to ask you about. Yes, yes. But brainstorms as they're traditionally done are probably the most uncreative way of being creative. Yeah. You <laughs> have no preparation generally. You get everyone into a room. There is so many problems with it. Generally, ideas just start kind of throwing around and there's no focus. Um, introverts might find it really hard to speak up because they've kind of got some great ideas, but they don't want to bring them up because they're introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be group think in a room, which is where everyone thinks the same because they are all from the same background or they all work in the same industry. So everyone yeah. starts to think the same. Um, it might be the people are attacking the wrong problem because you haven't actually spent mm-hmm. enough time thinking through what the problem is. Um, one of the biggest reasons that brainstorms often fail is this concept called hippos yes i I, I want to talk to you about this yeah uh, in a book and i loved this concept concept when i discovered it um hippos stands for the highest paid person's opinion and it is uh the unspoken uh rule often in a room is that you come up with ideas that you think your boss is going to like and even if your boss or the highest paid person isn't there, it sometimes affects what those opinions are. 100%. Because you're like, oh, there's no that. point in creating that because they, they didn't like the last thing we did like that. So that's, let's not even like pursue that path in the brainstorm. Yeah. 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 So, so all of those things, um, and, and there's hippos present in every room, and I've been a hippo in many rooms. I need to I've been a hippo. acknowledge yeah. that. Yeah. I think <laughs> yeah. the most important thing is acknowledging that you've been a hippo because it can help you um, get over your hippo-ness. Yeah. Um, and probably the most important thing that I reason the reason that I think brainstorms kind of suck is because of the hybrid work world that we're finding ourselves in now. Mm, where yeah, like how do you brainstorm on Zoom? Like yeah. it's really hard. If you mm. if you've ever done it, it generally ends up as probably two people talking to each other whilst seven people watch on. Yeah, um, I have to be honest, I've never sat on a Zoom brainstorm. Ah, uh, so yeah, have. I can imagine I've, that would be freaking painful terrible and the, the worst mm. then also is the hybrid world so obviously the past two years most of them were done on zoom in the hybrid world you've got 
three people in the office and three people on Zoom and you're trying to interact and you're, you're, Jenny, what do you think of this? And Jenny's there and she can't hear. I'm exhausted just thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so brainstorms were invented in the 1940s by a very smart guy called Alex Osborne. Um, who uh, created an ad agency called BBDO. He was the yes. O in BBDO. Um, and he, I've read all of his books about them and they're really interesting, slight sexism in some of them. He thinks that brainstorms should be best done by a group of men. Um, but it was the 1940s, so we have to take yes. that into account when, yes. when he says that. But the problem is that 80 years later, we're still using that same technique. Yeah, it hasn't moved on. Yeah. So, so despite everything else that's changed, that hasn't. So yeah. I spent the last two years, once I jumped out of the camper van, I then spent time going into people's workplaces, doing on Zoom, doing hybrid, going in in person to nonprofits, to big companies with thousand plus people, to briefs that people were trying to crack in creative industries, to problems of how to raise more money and get more revenue. And I started experimenting with all of these different sorts of brainstorming techniques that um, people were doing and slowly started um, narrowing it down to what I thought was a really simple way of doing creative brainstorming better. Yeah, nice. Before we dive into the, the, the much better structure that you have, can you just explain the difference between convergent and divergent thinking? Because I thought that was really helpful. Yeah, two very important Um, things to be aware of when you're coming up with ideas. So there's two ways of thinking. There is convergent thinking, which is where you're trying to have as many possibilities as possible. So convergence thinking is blue sky thinking. It's trying to come up with lots of different ideas. It's trying to be really open about all of the possibilities. And then once you've done that, you then need to consciously switch into divergent thinking. Oh, sorry, other way around. Yeah, you've got sorry. the other end. I was like, hang on, I don't want to interrupt him because he wrote the book. <laughs> yes, sorry. As, 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 divergent is the first one. Please, please. Divergent, blue sky. Divergent, blue sky, and then no convergent, limits. you converge on one do? idea. Yeah, yes, got it. Uh, please you. excuse that. Um, so rewind. Uh, divergent thinking is where you have diversity of thought and you're thinking yes. through lots of big ideas and as many ideas as possible. And then you converge with convergent thinking on one or two or three ideas that have real possibility. The problem is often we don't give enough time to those divergent thinking first, then convergent thinking. So we might just dive straight into, ah, here's an idea. And we go deep into that without Mm. giving ourselves all of the possibilities that could be. And the other problem is sometimes we stay in just all the possibilities without starting to use a system to figure out which of these ideas should we really start narrowing it in on. So it's really important important that you use both divergent thinking at the start and then convergent thinking once you've decided which of the ideas are worth really going into. Yeah, love. So in the book, you've got like the pie chart almost and it's like there's an even, uh, it's split in three thirds essentially. So can you just step through? Because this is like the better structure, yeah? This is like a good brainstorm structure. Yeah, most brainstorms. And Lorraine and I come from the same world where um, both, I think we have both received emails saying brainstorm in 10 minutes. And probably if I fess up, I've also sent emails saying (laughs) brainstorm in 10 minutes. Or, you know, uh, there's only five people in the brainstorm and then you would literally just get collared, like almost like conscripted into the brainstorm. Someone would just walk through the office and just grab people. It didn't matter where (laughs) they were or where they were sitting. (laughs) Yes. And so I I put it into a pie chart of how a normal brainstorming session works, which is there's three parts of thinking about brainstorm. There's coming up, there's uh, thinking about the problem that you're trying to solve. There's coming up with ideas individually, 
and then there's coming up with ideas as a group. And they're mm-hmm. the three parts. And in a normal traditional brainstorm, about 95% of the time is just sit down, Johnny from accounts, you're there, Jenny, yeah, you're yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> right. What ideas have you got on how we can solve this really big problem that you haven't thought about and up until two seconds ago? And yeah. most people dive straight into that. And an ideal world is actually the rule using the rule of thirds. You should r- spend roughly one third of the time thinking about the problem, getting to yes. know the problem really well. I use the term of be, be your problems therapist. Yes, you should I love really that. understand the problem better than anyone else. Make sure that everyone is really across it. The second one is then coming up with ideas by yourself, so individually. And this is the part where you need to empower everyone, including Mm. no matter what area of of the business they're from or no matter how creative or uncreative you think you are, everyone approaches ideas differently Mm. and you need to spend about one-third of the time coming up with your own ideas and then about the final third of the time sharing the ideas. Um, I use a term in the book around plussing around building yes, other I people's to ask ideas. You that. Can, can you explain the idea of plussing it? Yeah, so plussing it comes from Walt Disney and he used to always look at an idea and figure out how can I make this idea better? How can mm. I stretch it? What can I add to this idea or plus it? And he used the term plussing as a verb to yeah. make it even better. So when you start sharing ideas with each other, it's thinking through how do I build on top of this? How can I plus this person's idea? How do I take that kernel of a really good idea and make it even better by adding something to it. And that's a really important part of group ideation. Yeah, I love that. So in terms of how that would be structured then, you would do the first third, obviously everyone is briefed and they understand the problem. So the first third of the time is everyone throws out their ideas, like the divergence. Um, so the first third of the time, and so I, I have a, this really simple model in the book, which I'm calling, which is called Cerebrations, which is yes. a mix of cerebral, as in being thinking yeah. about things, and a celebration. Love. And there's three parts of a cerebration, and they actually correspond with those three areas. So the first part in the book I call blowing up balloons, and that is really simply thinking through what problems do you are you trying to solve? And I use a visual motif of a balloon, so a giant circle, and you put the problem in there. So Mm -hmm. about one third of the time should be blowing up the balloons and thinking about the problems. Yes. The next third of the time should be writing out cards. So thinking of if you go to a birthday party or a celebration, you're going to write a, write a card and bring it along. And so writing out cards means sitting there and thinking individually and writing either on a post-it note or on a piece of paper, what are your ideas on how to solve these problems that you spend a third of the time dealing with. Mm -hmm. And then the final third of the time uh, in this celebration model, I call share the presents. And that is where everyone has their um, ideas on a card and you then start sharing them with the group in an ideally a random order so that everyone has a chance and it changes every yeah. time. And, and my can simple we just idea, touch on that? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. You my very it. simple idea for a random order is whoever's birthday is coming up next. Yeah, I love that. I wanted to touch on that because it's also a way of negating the hippo, hippo issue because you would all automatically default to, okay, who's the highest person, highest exactly. paid person in the room? Let's ask them to start. Yeah, it, and that then that influences through. the whole conversation. It also gets through introverts as well because yes. you, you're kind of making everyone have a chance to um, add their ideas. And I've done this now dozens of times. In fact, I did a, a workshop yesterday with a group of people and the amount of ideas that everyone brings and the diversity of thought is amazing. Like it's you, you see people, everyone starts with the same problem, but where everyone's mind goes is just so beautiful to see and I just love the diversity 
of ideas and the breadth of ideas that you can then have in this stage, which is the divergent stage, which is thinking up as many ideas as mm-hmm. possible. It's really amazing once you give everyone permission to come up with ideas, how much you can empower people to actually be creative. Yeah. Oh, can we talk a bit about getting into the creative zone? Um, because I think it kind of goes back to that idea of, okay, okay, you've been in brainstorm in 10 minutes, you know, just switching on your creativity muscle. Like it's just, you know, the, the air con. <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. a bit challenging. So I'd love to chat to you for a, a bit about how can how can we prime ourselves to be in that in that creative space? And I loved and thank you. I saw my name in the book. I didn't know I was in there. And I think the very the kind of the the very basis of this is to to schedule the time to be creative. So you and I are both lovers of the, the maker versus manager schedule. And uh, do you want to just explain to everyone what that is, Tim? If people aren't familiar with the idea, Lorraine, you introduced it to me. So okay, I know, I but I'm interviewing to... you. So yes, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not throwing it back at you. I'm more saying thank you for introducing it to me. That's why you are in the book, and I'm glad that you found thank your you. little name in there. When no, you were it was fun. While I was asleep, I wanted to show him. I was like, oh, I want to show. Him. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm a very big believer, as you are, Lorraine, in rituals and the Mm. importance of rituals in signifying different stages that you're in. And I use rituals as a way of fooling my mind into forcing it to go into a different mode. Um, And for me, I've kind of got two modes, the maker mode and the manager mode, which came from the seminal essay by Paul Graham on the founders of the Y Combinator um, group mm-hmm. in San Francisco and the you know the mental space of being a and giving yourself permission to times there you should be a maker and a maker mm-hmm. is thinking about coming up with ideas thinking up strategies um, disconnecting ideally from emails and just trying to go deep and do that deep work mm-hmm. and then there's manager time which is for me answering emails doing accounts doing invoices um, doing phone calls and yeah. like we're both well, in manager time now. Yes. I believe. Yes. I, I see this as manager time. Yeah. Whereas me um, yesterday was planning out our session together, th- th- this conversation and the briefing you and my other podcast guest today and planning out my, I've got my Bull Darling Masterclass after our conversation today. And so that was me in maker mode. So I was preparing all those things, but then delivering them today and, and having these conversations. That's, 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 when I, that's when I kick into manager mode, essentially. Yeah, and I think that being intentional about those, so it doesn't mm. it doesn't happen to you. It's it's you know your email and your your time management is not telling you what mode you should be in. You're telling it what mode you should be in. Yes, that's yeah. the part where I think is really you need to be as intentional as you can with figuring out when am I when do I have the highest energy? And for mm. me, when I have the highest energy, I want to be creative because I need yes. that. And then yeah. manager mode for me is I can call someone and do emails you know, with pretty low energy and I don't need to be up mm. and and my brain doesn't need to be 100%. It could be 70% when I'm responding yeah. to emails. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing as well is that um, we're, when we're being creative or we're in that maker mode, like we're, we're, we're kind of dependent on our own steam. Like it's very, um, it, it's very, what am I saying? It's self-starting. You know, you've got to, yeah. you've got to fire the engine up and maintain the engine. Whereas if we're doing meetings or there's kind of deadlines that we need to meet for other people, then you're kind of, it's almost like a borrowed, um, what am I saying? Like I could do this session with you at like four o'clock this afternoon and I would be energized because I'm, I'm on, you kind of kind of kick into on mode and we'll yeah. almost like generate each other's steam. Whereas I think with the creativity piece, I think it's really important or, or maker mode. It's to pay ourselves first with that time and that energy because yeah. it, it does, 
you know, our energy does tend to dip at different times of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are the rituals that you you suggest we can use to actually get ourselves into the into the creative zone? Yeah. And just to, to finish off that, so maker mode is generally internal and manager mm-hmm. mode is generally external. And yes. I think that's yep. the, the kind of the, the main difference. And so in order for me to go internal into my maker mode, I need to fool my body. So I need to say to my body, this is this is the mode that you're going to go into. And the way that I fool it is through sensory um, using the senses as much as I can. So yeah. I um, I have a particular album that is for me. Missy like Higgins. A, Missy Higgins. <laughs> yeah. It's like a trance. And it's so funny, my husband, Ben, whenever he hears me put the album, the album on, you'd almost see him rolling his eyes, being like, okay, Tim's going into creative Here we mode. There you go. Um, and I, I have a funny story in the book that my Spotify wrapped, which is my, you know, list of yeah. my spot, listen yeah. to Spotify every single year for the past five years has been the same Missy Higgins 10 tracks over That's and over. Thing. Yeah. Because- yeah. It's funny you say that because I actually created a, a step into you playlist on Spotify. It was only for me. It was never meant to be kind of part of the book or anything, Amazing. but I put that playlist on every time I sat down. It's like really powerful female songs. Like I love it. And, and yes, same. There was one particular song, Alanis Morissette, one Alanis Morissette song. And that, that was my favorite on that playlist. But yeah, that was my top of my Spotify rap. <laughs> I love Cheers that. Cheers for writing the book. I See, love I think that. music is an amazing cue. Yeah. And we're, we're so used to almost all of our content being new. So our brain needs to process yes. it. There's something yeah, yeah, really right. amazing about knowing where every single note is going to go that yeah. stops your mind from thinking. So for yeah, me, yeah, if, so if, if I want to, if I want to write, I put this album on and it just, mm. it's not because I particularly love the songs, although I do love them, but I've heard them now thousands of times. <laughs> it's that it, my mind goes, okay, I don't need to listen to this anymore. I need to switch into a different mode. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, and what and are the, the sensory other, cues do you reckon we can use? Um, smell. Smell is the yes, other biggest one. I know, you, I know you love that. Um, yeah. And I just love, for me, it's interesting. It's no particular smell. For me, it's just any smell. because Yeah, you know, you're right, actually. Yeah, I'd be the same. Yeah, yep. it's just it's just that you know, like oh, I've got an incense burner on. I have a candle on next to me, um, and it also signifies what I love to people around me. If I'm at home, it tells my husband, Tim's in creative <laughs> mode. Maybe I go up to him and ask him where I left my shoes because yes. he can see that I'm there. And you know, I, I often sit on the couch as well. For me, I sit at a desk if I want to yes. manage a time, and on the couch if I want um, maker time. I think that new um, environment is huge. I, I advise my mentees like when they're doing their their ninety day planning, for example, or brain, you know, brainstorming for one on a on a, a new revenue stream or whatever, is to get out of your normal environment because it just becomes wallpaper. Like you just and also there's all those little cues like of yeah, just that kind of make that manager schedule cues. So yeah. I think yeah, getting into a new environment, going to a cafe. I mean, for me, it's been so cool being in Bali because I've been trying to get this podcast season organized for a couple of weeks and I've just been just just been a lot on and just yesterday it was just it just flowed it was that new environment so I'm not saying we have to go to Bali but going nice, to you know though. another yeah that would be nice uh, you know just another cafe you're like even what you do like just a different zone in the in the house I've got a an armchair that I sit in in the office which is when I'm thinking I sit there with my my tablet and I'm kind of sketching in the tablet so because when I'm sitting at my desk, I'm in manager mode. So mm. I think that's a really good tip around a different environment. Anything else? Um, no, I, th- I think it can be as 
simple as one of those things. It doesn't need to be all of the senses at once. It doesn't, you don't need to go into and have music on and have, you know, yeah. the candles going <laughs> and have like a wind machine in your yes. hair. Yeah. It can be just one of those things. Um, I love music for me personally because it also means that no matter where I am and if I'm in the back of a camper van, if I'm in a plane, I can always listen to that album. Yeah, that's and great. It always says it's, to that, me. it's almost like white noise. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of like white noise. I think something yeah, that's kind right. of transportable, but it's whatever works for people as well. Yeah. But I think the ritual. thing as well is um it's it's creating those cues. So if we think about your linguistic program programming, they talk about anchors. So things that we get anchored to. So me, Bali, I step off the plane, it's my happy place. I'm like the happiest person in the world once mm. I get to Bali. And um, but it could equally be it's just about um Choosing what your cues are and then very being very intentional initially to help them get you to that creative place because then you get to the point where you're missing Higgins album where you just flick it on and like you're there. But that's yes. that almost like you needed to build that in to yeah, in, yeah, into totally. your brain. Does that make it sense? It doesn't happen accidentally because yeah, I, I, there needs to be intention initially. Yeah, I would just listen to a radio, you know, that would just keep going on and on and I would never get any of that um, yes. that reinforcement. Yeah, that's it. So it's yeah, choose, choosing a couple of cues and, and almost like being yeah, practicing them very intentionally to, to bed them into into your life. Uh, we all get into creative funks where we're just like, you know, it's just it, it, the, the dirty tap has been running for a few days. <laughs> and <laughs> it's still dirty. coming out dirty. <laughs> it's still dirty. It's still dirty. So what tips would you have for people if they're kind of maybe they're listening and they're just feeling like, oh, this all sounds great, but I'm just I'm just in a funk. What, what would you say to help us kind of shift gears out of that? My biggest creativity tip is nature. Mm. So just getting outside, ideally going to a forest or going for a swim, water. But for me, it's, it's walking and hiking. Yeah, so you're a massive almost, hiker, aren't you? I'm a massive hiker. And mm. the reason why I do it, my husband and I go hiking most weekends. And when we travel, we often build our trips around where can we do great mm. walks. And it might be five, six-hour walks. And it's just the two of us most often. And we have really honest, deep conversations when we walk, which is quite beautiful because it gives us the space to do that. Then other times we're just in silence and he's thinking about a problem that he's trying to solve and I'm thinking about something in my head and I constantly stop and write a note into my phone just to remind myself (laughs) of what it is. But nature for me is the biggest um, thing. And if that's hard or it's inaccessible, you don't, you know, it's hard to get away from the kids to go out for an hour walk. The other really simple tip I have is a walk around the block and trying to, I put my headphones in, my AirPods in, and I put them into noise cancelling mode and I don't put anything on them. So I just try and block the world out. Mm. And when I have my headphones on, it signals to other people, don't talk to me. If I'm walking the dog, I'm not here for a conversation. And I often do that as a trick. And it really just helps me walk around the streets of Paddington where I live um, with headphones in, people think I'm listening to music. I'm in fact just listening to my own thoughts. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. I love that. And I think also to go to places that are creative. So one of my mentees, I just hosted a, a mini retreat last week on the Central Coast with um, some of my my longtime annual mentees, and she creates beautiful like baby products, like teethers and so on. And and when we did a, I, I did did a session with them around. Um, it was around energy management. But it was kind of turn it to be broader and inspo and and so on creative inspiration and she realized that something that she really something that really feeds her creativity is going to visual art places so 
going to art galleries or museums or going to see, you know, Vivid, for example, is coming up in Sydney soon. Mm. So just immersing yourself in creativity as well, exposing yourself to other people's creativity, because I'm a big believer that there's no such thing as a, as a, a totally brand new idea. Everything we create is kind of like a, a mishmash of something someone else has done or a hybrid, or you've talked a bit about the hybrid ideas in the book as well. So I think, yeah, just immersing yourself in in creativity as well, I think is a really nice thing to do. It just gives your brain a break from trying to hammer out that, that idea. Yeah, great idea. Great idea. I think that there's art and creativity is contagious in a way. Yes, you, yes, you go, I love that. You go to a gallery and you get inspired and it might be something, I always, the, the one of the ideas in the book is around letting ideas sit and sit stands, mm. for, stands for space, inputs and time and inputs for that can be anything that can be sometimes I think watching a tv show can be creative yeah. like you you can yeah. you know I'm not advocating if you are trying to be creative just to yeah. watch tv <laughs> Netflix but, yeah. but sometimes an idea might come to you or someone might say something and you're like that just sparks something in your mind yes. so I think feeding your brain inputs in yeah. whatever way that can be whether it's an art gallery or a tv show or a podcast or sometimes mm-hmm. just silence or just getting bored as I talk about mm-hmm. in the book um, that is very much the way to go. If you're kind of if your tap is still coming out dirty, just try a different tap. Yeah, try. Yeah, exactly. And and I, th- I think just sorry one one quick one that I'd add as well is I have some. I seem to solve most of my problems on a yoga mat when I go to yoga because my mind is so focused on holding. Particularly if it's a more challenging class, like if it's a power vinyasa class, because I'm trying to keep up with what the teacher's saying. I'm trying to hold a pose. I'm trying to breathe in. And it's like my mind is so, it's meditation, it's so focused on doing what I'm doing in the moment. I'm so present that the little, I call them soul whispers, will just drop in because I'm not trying to get them. Yeah. I'm not trying to excavate for them. They just drop in quite organically. So I think, yeah, movement, nature, as you said, creativity is contagious because surrounding yourself with creativity as well, I think is all, all great ways to go. And I could honestly, I think I said this yesterday, I could probably do three episodes with you on the book. It's so good. <laughs> Is there any any uh, kind of big points that you feel we've missed or anything you'd, you'd like to add before we finish up? Um, no, I think that's most of the points. I think that the main thing is I, I just try with all of my books to try and take big concepts and try and make them as simple as possible for people mm. so that this book here has steps in there. Same way that my first book had a bunch of steps in it, which I just aim to try and give people the tools to be able to take these um, these ideas and how to apply them in everyday life. And that just yeah. gives me so much joy and satisfaction. Well, so good. And because people will ask me, how can people work with you? So obviously you're, you're doing consulting. Like, is that, are you a gun for hire? Like what, what, if, if people do want to seek you out to work with their teams or anything, is that something you're offering at the moment? Um, yes. Yeah, so I've, I've, I've totally launched... put you on the spot. Sorry. No, that's right. I've just <laughs> launched my new website, which is timduggan.com.au. And that's cool. The I'll pop a link in the show notes. N- new way of kind of contacting me. Um, and yeah, I'm doing a bunch of consulting at the moment, which is really fun. And I love being able to kind of work with a, a, a few different businesses that I find really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I also do a, an impact statement masterclass, which is an online course that I launched off the back of the first book, which yes, is a really nice. nice way of kind of being able to spend some time with me. And there is a real, there's a live workshop that happens as part of that as well. Um, yeah. so that's probably the best way of people um, contact in or just head to timduggan.com.au for more info. Amazing. Love. I'll pop the link in the show notes. Do you know what I can see you doing? Like what? doing like like a, a residency, like a creative residency where people come and stay. It's like a killer thinking retreat almost. Oh, and you that. go in there with your problem and you you put them through, I don't want to say the sausage factory, but you work through the process with them. And then you've got that beautiful, like your, you know, the creativity contagious piece. 
Anyway, yeah, yeah. I'll take you out for coffee and I can share more about them. Yeah, I can so that. see that. I think that'd be amazing. Yeah, I love that. It sounds like a great idea. Love. Okay. Is, is, it, is it a killer idea, idea though? We'll have to- <laughs> <laughs> we need to mess up. We need to put it through the filter, we'll stretch it out it. and turn it into exactly. a really killer idea. Yeah. Oh, this has been so fun. Thank you so much. That's right. And, right yeah, I've, I'll I've pop all the it. links in the show notes and um, yeah, we'll, people, people will know where to go find you. And thank you for everything you bring to the world. I'll always cool. love talking to you. Thank you. Thanks, Lorraine. There you have it. The brilliant man that is Tim Duggan. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed having that conversation with Tim. To connect with him and his work, visit timduggan.com.au. And you can also find his book, Killer Thinking, in all great bookstores and online. And little reminder as I close down this episode that Bold Darling doors are opening very soon. If you jump on the wait list, you will find out very first exactly when doors open and you will also get some special bonuses for waitlist peeps as well. And also remember that the first ever Bold Darling Retreat is happening this October in Noosa Hinterland. You can find out more and book your spot via the link in the show notes as well. So thank you so much again for joining this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed my chat with Tim and I look forward to chatting to you again next week. Thank you for being part of this week's episode. It was remarkable to have you. I am always keen to hear your thoughts, questions, ideas and suggestions for future topics for the podcast. So please get in touch on Instagram. My handle is at Lorraine Remarks and through my website, LorraineMurphy.com.au. If you're enjoying what I'm putting out here, please do rate, review or subscribe to the podcast so more people can find out about it and we can build this special community or even better, do all three. Chat to you next week.